And if you missed last week, we talked about a really common problem that we have, and that is that we find that the more we compare with other people, the less content we end up being. So um, if, you didn't, if, you didn't, if you weren't here last week, that's available. It's, it, you can sign up for it out front, get a CD, or it's online. You can go to the church website, which, and it's free to download or listen to there. By the way, we've, um, we've, we've got a new web address. The old one will still work, but the new one is a lot simpler. It's crossroads.life. Instead of this big, long thing that you, know, you're, you had to stop halfway through and rest your fingers before. But anyway, um, I'm grateful for it. Next week, we're going to talk about authenticity. Because in our social media-driven world that we're in, you know, we can be so very tempted to filter everything that we show to the rest of the world, the, the, the pictures that we show, the things that we say, I mean, so that you see exactly the parts of my life that I want you to see, and I've carefully polished them, and you know what I'm talking about. I mean, so we're going to talk about authenticity. The problem is that the more filtered we become, the harder it becomes for us to stay authentic in our life with people. So that's next week. By the way, speaking of next week, the kickoff is way, way, way after church. (laughs) You'll be out of here in plenty of time. Last week I promised to have you out way before kickoff, and I got you out of here in about an hour last week. So what a miracle that was, right? Okay, so anyway, next week, still time to have your priorities, God, and then football. Okay, so God comes first, then football, and... um, Football is definitely down the list. On the list, though, right? Right, okay. There's a big game I've heard about. Today I want to talk about uh, intimacy in relationships, and especially in the context of social media and technology. And, And by the way, we embrace social media as a church. We have, of course, we have our own web page I just told you, crossroads.life, um, and there's information there about the church, and there are sermons that you can download and so forth. Um, we also have a church Facebook page that has information. There's a youth Facebook. I mean, we, em- we embrace technology, and I, personally, at a personal level, I love things that I get by way of text messages and so forth. I get, you know, I, I, I'm supposed to get a morning picture of my granddaughter, and most mornings I get it, and um, sometimes I don't. And I'm not sure what the deal is with that. But anyway, I like the technology. I'm adopting it. And, of course, I would never use the pulpit to, you know, ask my daughter, why I, did, you, did you get that, honey? Okay, so, so I'm sure I'm going to get them all from now on like I'm supposed to. I got a really cool one a couple days ago, and it was um, Grace's daddy vacuuming, and she's right behind him with a cute little vacuum. And it was just like, oh, melt, right? All the mothers. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The women of the church didn't really see her vacuuming. They saw the man of the church, the man of the house, doing that thing. And I'm just going to stop before I get myself into more trouble. You can keep your man card. In fact, you get to promote a, a level for, for helping out. Thank you, Jason, for doing that. Anyway, so, I mean, we embrace technology. I'm not here to tell you that technology is evil. I'm just here to say that at the same time, um, if you do too much of it, if it becomes, if you become too consumed with it, it can actually hurt your relationships. It can actually rob you from some of the things that God wants you to, to enjoy in life that are actually more important. We, we, we love it, but we've got to manage it. We just have to manage it. So today I want to talk about intimacy in relationships. And I encourage you, as we go through the word today, to use as a lens... These words that Jesus shared in uh, John 13. Before we get there, let me pray. Lord, anytime we uh, open your word, we recognize that this is a gift from heaven. It's holy, 
It's anointed. It promises never to return void. And Lord, so when we open your word, we make ourselves available to what it is the king wants to do in our lives for us and shaping us. And we just thank you, God, that you do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is, the, the context here is, just before the, he says this, Jesus has, has been, um, he washed the disciples' feet. Now that might sound to you like, oh, okay, well, you know, he, he, he did, that's kind of intimate, um, but, but you need to also know that that was like the lowest, most humiliating task that would happen in a household, because it just was socially very, and so it was a very, very stunning self-sacrificing, um, humble act for the, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth to get down on his knees and deal with dirty, icky feet and, and make them feel clean again and cared for and loved. And, 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 and so um, he showed his love to them. And then and here he says in verse 34, right after having washed their feet, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this... All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I love what he said here. I also love what he didn't say here. I think that's really, really important. You know, I, I, all will know that you're my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. He didn't say, they're going to know you're my disciples if you have absolutely perfect theology. Now, listen to me theology is important. And you should learn the word of God and be able to tell the truth from the counterfeit. But that's not what Jesus said was how people would know that yours is up. So telling people on the street, the scriptures, so that they will know you follow Jesus, that's not the way for them to know that. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you'll, they'll know it in a different way. He didn't say, um, they'll know that you're my, my disciples because you're always in church. Now listen, it's a good thing for you to come to church, okay? We're, there's another scripture that does talk about that. We'll get to that. But that's not how people will know that you're his disciples. By the way, it's a good thing for people to know that you follow Jesus. You shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. You shouldn't be. And, and, and if you shouldn't be ashamed, it's okay for people to know that you're a follower. How will they know? Well, that's what we're looking at here. He also didn't say, they will know you're my disciples if you have a really clever bumper sticker about God on your car. Now, I don't put a bumper sticker for God on my car because, frankly, I shouldn't put one on my car. It will confuse people. I mean, and some of you shouldn't have one on your car either, okay? I'm just saying, but that's not how they're going to know. He said, they'll know you're my disciples because of the way you love and you treat each other. And there's this sacrificial love that he's talking about, this humiliating love, this putting somebody else ahead of you first love by the way we love one another. Now, if we're going to use this Jesus lens um, as, our, as our big question in, in context today is, how is technology, how is technology impacting? How, how, is it, how is it changing our relationships? I mean, we know that technology helps us in a lot of different ways, but there are also some unintended negative consequences for technology in relationships. So there's probably like hundreds of different ways, and um, uh, we're not going to go through all hundreds of them today. We'll just talk about three. I want to raise up three, three big issues. The first one, how is technology changing relationships? One, the term friend is evolving. You know, a friend used to mean somebody that you did life with 
You know, you, you lived together and you were doing life together. There, there, was, there was something about Now today, a friend can be somebody that you've never actually even met. Right? I mean, and they follow what you say on Facebook. And so the term friend is, is evolving. You know, the average American, we talked about this last week, the average American um, Facebook user has 328 friends. Now, don't go comparing with yourself. That doesn't help. We talked about that last week. But the average American Facebook user, 328 friends. But if you ask that person, how many friends do you have? Actual friends. The average American, the answer is two. Now, unfortunately, that's down from six just 20 years ago. And today, 28% of Americans say they have no friends. Zero. Get the picture. 328 Facebook friends and no real friends. I mean, it's, it, this tension that I'm talking about is real. Um, 328 Facebook friends, but say you've got no real and close friends. You know, and, and I know that we could arg- make the argument that we got a lot of online activity and we make a lot of contacts. There's a lot of stuff going on. And yet, we may have very, very limited personal intimacy. The term friend is evolving. Second point I want to make is this. We become addicted. We are becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. I mean, I'm feeling a little bit lonely, so you know, I want a little affirmation so I can say something and uh, I can take a selfie real quick. And In fact, I mean, I could just do that right now. I mean, you know, don't mind if I just take a minute here, do you? Let's see, sign in, put my secret password in. First, I've got to get to my camera. That's, I'm there now. Okay. Eric, would you do a <laughs> selfie with me? Come on. Anybody back there that wants to be in it, lean in. Okay. Smile. Oh, I, Eric, you did something weird. Let's do a different picture. Okay, I'll do, do another one here. Come on, you guys in the back. Oh. Okay. All right, so now, um, yeah, that was a very nice blue steel look from Zoolander. I appreciated that. Okay, so now I've got my selfie in there. It's, I don't want to just keep it to myself, so let's see. Get over to the Facebook app, and uh, let's see. Sign in as Crossroads Church. Oh, let's, let's use, let's go back here. Um, hang on, I'll be right back to you in just a moment. Okay. There's always one in the crowd that calls me in the middle of a, a sermon illustration, Dan Vernick, but I wouldn't say your name, okay, on purpose. So, um, done. Okay, I think I'll post that. All right, so now, I just now took a selfie and I posted it on the church's Facebook page. Now, I suppose you should pay attention to the sermon and not go there, but I'm pretty cer- certain that in the next few minutes, there's going to start being some likes and maybe even a comment or two. Oh, Pastor Terry, you look so good. I like your new shirt. <laughs> Things like that. And I'm going to feel really, really good. I get this immediate feedback. And, and what's happening, what actually happens to us, is it's the beginning of an actual physical, physiological addiction There's, because of this immediate feedback. And here's, here's what I'm going to explain to you. Um, scientists will tell you that reward-based behaviors will cause a hormone to be released in your brain called dopamine. In fact, um, a lot of addictive drugs also trigger the releases of dopamine in your brain. So you see the connection there. So we do these immediate reward kinds of activities, dopamine releases into our brain, and we like that. 
We like that. And, and so, you know, so, so we get to this, you know, what did they say? What did she say? Did she like my post? Did, she, did he not like my post? Did I miss something? What's going on? And we, we get addicted to this immediate feedback. I mean, right now, right now, immediate, right now. Have you noticed how your life and your attitudes have changed about things being immediate? I mean, I, I want to go to a drive through window when I go to the bank. I don't want to take the time. I want to do it fast, get to the window, take my money, give me some money, something, and get me down the road. Coffee, same thing. In 2010, somebody somewhere spent $300 million to put a fiber optic cable between the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange so that, $300 million, so that they could shave three milliseconds off of the trading time between those two Three one-thousandths of a spec. They only spent $300 million right now, immediate, right now, right now, and we get addicted. We just, everything's got to be right now, right away. And social media... It's, it can meet a, a, an immediate, short-term need, but we're deferring to, to later a, a longer-term and deeper need. Sociologists describe that condition, and they call it deferred loneliness. Deferred loneliness. We feel lonely, so we post something, or we say something, and then we get this immediate feedback, and, and it meets our short-term need. And the loneliness that we feel gets deferred. It's just getting shoved off until a little bit later downstream. Instant gratification is changing the way that we do relationships. So we have the term friends is evolving. We have we're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. And a third, and this might be the most important challenge, we have the power to do friendship on our own terms. Start doing things on our own terms. You know, if Eric texts me, I have the choice to read his text, ignore his text, respond to it, respond to it later, I'm in control of what I do, what I don't do, when I do it, how I respond to his text. If he texts me a picture, I have the power to determine whether it's like-worthy or not. Do I hit the like button for the third cat picture he sent me today? And he keeps posting all day long. In fact... If he posts one more cat picture, I might unfollow him. (laughs) I'm in total and complete control of my relationship, my friendship, and I do it from this remote circumstance. I tell you what I want to tell you, and and if I don't want to respond, I'm not going to respond. And if you post too many pictures of your product or too many duck-faced selfies... Too many of those. I might just say, hey, unfollow. I'm in control of this relationship. And suddenly we wake up, and the terms of friendship are different than they used to be. You know, I've spent time with, um, I spend time regularly with young leaders, and um, it's a real privilege for me to be able to do that. I love that part of my ministry, one part of it. And and, uh, we talk a little bit about social media and relationships. And I, I got a couple of statements from a couple of young people. I want to just, here's what they said. The more I use social media, the more I crave personal interaction. The more connected, I'm more, I feel more connected than ever before, and yet I feel more alone. So today I want to talk about how do we get 
there from here. I want to start with Hebrews 10, starting in verse 24. And here the, the writer of Hebrews says, um, let us think of ways... Okay, now we're being charged here to be proactive. Okay, so we're responsible to think up ways, okay? Think up ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Okay, hold on a second. You're telling me i I got to try and keep my own life in order, Terry, and now I'm supposed to think up ways to be a positive influence on people around me? Yeah. You're challenged. I'm challenged too. Okay, that's good. Anyway, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Now, this particular phrase is primarily talking about the habit of regular attendance in the, in the, in the Lord's house. Way to go. You're here. I, I commend you for that. And it's, a, it, it's good to be regular and consistent in the Lord's house. Um, but it also is a reference to being in person with people. Okay? It goes on to say, um, but encourage one another. I think sometimes some of us need to rediscover the power of practicing presence, of being together with other people. Jesus said that wherever two or more gather in my name, I will be there with them. Anytime we come together with other believers, we can experience a very, very real presence of the king in a very supernatural way. Does that mean, Terry, that I can't experience God if I'm alone? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Absolutely not. You sure can. By the way, um, experiencing God, God's presence by being alone and being in the mountains, hey, knock yourself out. Go ahead and do it. But as a substitute for being in the house of worship, it doesn't wash with the Lord. And, and the reason is because you lose out. And the people around you lose out. It's not so that the, the church can claim higher attendance. It's because it, 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 you lose something. Anyway, so I don't want to get off on that bully pulpit. But, but there is a special, something special and something powerful about when we come together with other believers and we pray. Something special happens in that circumstance that doesn't always happen when you're alone. And, um, and something special happens when we come together and we collectively worship and even if the power goes off in the middle of worship. You know, this is a complete rabbit trail, but way to go. I love, for the first few seconds when the power went off today, you kept singing. You should have just kept going. You, you, you reminded me of, you know, what are they called? Those people standing around the tree, and okay, the Grinch has stolen all the presents, and they're still hand, holding hands. Yahoo, dore, yahoo, dore. That's why I don't lead worship. Okay, so give me a break. Okay. Okay, the point, that's one of my favorite parts of that whole cartoon because they didn't care about the circumstances and the surroundings. They still had something of, of uplifting in their heart. I'm not so sure I can turn that into a sermon point, but, but anyway, way to go for, for, to continue singing. There's something that happens when we come together and we worship as a group. And there's something special that happens when, as a group, we open the word and we spend time in it as the Lord would speak to our heart. There's, a, there's something special about these moments right now. Not because I'm up here. Not because of anything eloquent. But because at this moment, you have chosen to say, okay, I'm going to sit for half an hour and let the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. And it may have nothing to do with what goes on here. It's supernatural and it's powerful. There's power in presence. And think about it this way. I think about it this way. You know, God did not shout his love down to us from heaven. Hey, I love you guys. Would have been cool. Would have been good if he did, I suppose. But that's not what he chose to do. He showed his love right here on this earth. He took off all of his heavenly glory, 
all of his, all of that, all of the trappings, all of that, and left that to come and actually walk this earth. He became one of us. In fact, one of his names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He lived with us. He loved those who other people had rejected. He, he poured his heart into people that were broken, who, who the religious leaders said were not worthy of their attention. He, he ate and he fellowshiped with the people that, that, you know, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. And, and he didn't shout his love down from heaven. He came down here and was face-to-face in person with people. There's something about his presence and our presence that's powerful. And yet, I think too many of us settle for something less. So today, I want to get really practical and uh, give you a couple of points. In fact, um, these two points are so simple, they might even be offensive to you. Like, Terry, I came to church for that. I mean, come on, do some work. Okay, I want you to know I spent time on this. But these are offensively simple. Okay, um, sorry about that. But I really believe that if you apply these, these two simple points, that the Holy Spirit will absolutely get involved in your relationships and change them and build them and do something special. Okay, okay. first one is I want to encourage you to do this. Be present. Be present with one another. And here's a commitment that you can make. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to promise it to me, but it's a choice you make. You know, and it's like this. I will love people face-to-face rather than thumbs-to-thumbs. You get what I'm talking about? Nobody texts but me and Eric. Okay, thumbs to thumbs. Okay, I will show my love to people face to face rather than thumb to thumb. Okay, nothing wrong with texting, mind you, but it's, it's a lousy substitute for in person. Paul says this to, um, in, in Romans 12, he says, don't just pretend to love others. Wow. Let's not just, you know, stay at a really shallow level. Let's, let's really get in there. Instead, he says, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Love people. Really love them. Be present in their lives. You know, let's just say you've got a friend or a family member that's hurting right now. They've got some kind of bad news. So, you know, they got bad medical news. They got um, their girlfriend broke up with them or they've heard something heartbreaking about their relationship or their husband or their job. And there are several ways to um, maybe show your love to them. So like an acceptable way to to, do that, let's just start real simple. One simple way would be to pound out a text. Hey, Terry, I was just thinking of you, wanted you to know. Well, I I appreciate that, that you're thinking of me. On the other hand, thinking of me, I mean, okay, I don't know what that accomplishes, but maybe instead you say, hey, Terry, I'm praying for you. That's a good thing. So we, we can text someone and say, hey, I'm praying for you. That would be one way for us to, one acceptable way to say to someone that we love them and we care about them. But, okay, let's take it up a notch because we're followers of Jesus and we want the world to know that we love one another. And so, you know, there's another thing, function, that this machine can do. Some of you have tried it before and you know what I'm talking about, you can actually make a phone call and talk to the person. Hey, Terry, I just want you to know I'm with you and I'm praying for you. In fact, let me pray for you right now on this phone. I mean, so that's a, we can take it up a notch and actually talk. <laughs> Is this too cynical, Terry? Just, just smack me. Okay, I don't mean to be cynical. Um, 
Um, anyway, so I guess I did mean to be cynical or I wouldn't have been, right? Own it, Terry. Okay. <laughs> The thing is that, you know, it gives you the opportunity when you're talking rather than texting, you can hear the tone of their voice. You'll hear things that you don't hear in a text message. You'll, you'll sense things and you can pray with them and you can respond in an elevated way because you're actually talking to them. You can ask them questions and the conversations will, it'll go places that it just won't go in a text because it's just too hard to put all those, you know, it just doesn't work as well. And because you're investing a little more time in them. So let's now, let's go crazy. Let's ratchet up another notch. And let's say we don't just want to text them and we don't just want to call them. We can go see them. We can get in our car or our helicopter or our moped and walk across town or whatever we're going to do and sit down with them face to face. And pray with them, you know, listen to what they have to say, put your hand on their shoulder, or hold hands and pray with them. And if they're crying, you know, wrap your arm around them and hold them, if it's appropriate. You know, I'm not saying to you guys, hey, call up some sweet young thing and go hold on to her. That is completely inappropriate, and that's not what I'm saying. But there is a way to do things appropriately and in order where it's face-to-face, and it's not just the words, but there's, there's, there can actually be touching and tenderness that says so much. Something powerful about being there, about our presence. And I, I learned this lesson in a really, really dramatic way, and I've told you some of the stories. I think I've told you before about you know one early morning lakeside ministry time. I get this phone call, and my close friend said, um, our son's missing, and the sheriff is searching the lake. And um, this was for a young man who was in his very early 20s who happened to be the exact age of my kids. In fact, he, he had you know, been at our house when the little boys had their birthday parties. I mean, we knew this family. And I get this phone call, and um, I jumped in my car and drove in the dark like crazy and got to this. It was, I was, they were at this, these people's house, and across the lake, the, the, the sheriff was out there, and they were searching, and... And um, I started crying when I got there. It was no help to them at all. I mean, I started crying. They were crying. We were just crying. And it, it, was, it was the ugly crying, you know, wet. It was icky. And I felt like I'd really made things worse. I felt like, well, you know how guys think. Buck up. Be a source of strength. Bring your strength into this, Terry. You can help this family get through this terrible tragedy. And, and, um, but that was pretty much for a while all I could do was just cry. And I thought to myself, well, I've got to buck up and do something pastoral here. At least I've got to pray. And I, I swear, I don't remember what I prayed. It was probably the most pathetic prayer, God help them, amen kind of thing. Um, I meant it, but it wasn't eloquent. And it was, I, I don't remember. I felt small completely insignificant. I felt like I had really a, a, a spiritual failure. I just really felt that way. And, um, you know, I mean, we spent, I spent the day with them and was within contact with them quite a bit. And eventually we got to the memorial service and um, one of this couple, um, the husband came up to me and he said, hey, I want you to know that when you showed up on that lake shore, we felt the presence of God come with you. 
and the things you said were so perfect. And I'm thinking, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And your prayer was so powerful. And my prayer was the most anemic, limp, useless, it felt to me, prayer. And I realized that my presence said words that could never come out of my mouth. Presence by itself, just just your presence. There's something powerful about our presence. And even the most perfectly worded text in the universe doesn't mean nearly as much as presence. There's just power in presence. And the thing is, this, this couple taught me to do that for them a couple of decades earlier. I never thought of that until you know, later, but our son Joseph was an infant and he was hospitalized with pneumonia and, and um, you know, they had the tent and the tubes and my helpless little baby. And boy, as a parent, you, you, if you've been anywhere close to that or a grandparent, you know how helpless you feel. If I could get in there and do something to breathe for him, I'd do it. I look at the doctors and the nurses and say, don't come out here and talk to me. You get in there and be with my boy. Fix him. And no, they were doing what they could do. And, you know, and, and I remember Lisa and I were sitting at the hospital alone and it was just terrible. And this same couple, 20 years before this Lakeside deal, this, they, they showed up at the hospital. And I don't remember that they said anything. I'm sure they prayed. I'm sure they did the things that you would do. But what I remember now, almost three decades later, was they were with us. And when they came in and they were with us, I became stronger. My faith became stronger because they just came and sat next to me. I I, I love them for that. (laughs) And our God is a relational God. He, he created you and me to love him and to love the people around us. Technology can make our tasks go a lot easier, but it's never a substitute for our presence. So maybe you'll ask somebody out for lunch. You know, when you'd normally say to them, hey, let's do lunch sometime, you know. I'll have my people call your people and we'll do lunch. <laughs> okay. Or instead, you actually go have lunch with them. You actually do it. You sit. You, you let the conversation flow. You, you listen. You pray. You laugh. You tell stories. You love them. That's loving somebody. Maybe you decide you'll let people in. You, you know, you're going to invite them into your home or you know, make dinner for them. And maybe it's somebody a lot younger than you. Or maybe it's somebody that nobody's going to invite. And I pray that, you know, if the, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, or, or, or I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, but if the, if, as the Spirit is speaking to you about this, that you, will, that you will proactively act on this. Intentionally be present with, with people around you. So be present with those around you. Number two, I told you these were going to be offensively simple. The second one is this, be engaged. Be engaged. Don't just physically be present, but actually be emotionally completely engaged and present. You know, in fact, Peter, Peter said this, um, and uh, he said this, most important of all, continue to show deep love 
for each other. He's talking here about a deep spiritual engagement where the person in the room is the most important person to you. You know, you've probably seen examples. I have. You know, you walk into a restaurant. <laughs> I actually quit backing up. You walk into a restaurant and you know you're on your way to your table and there's a family of four. And they're waiting now for their food to come because they've ordered, and they're every one of them <laughs> on the. Have you never seen that? I mean, I see this regular. You can see it. I mean, um, it's pretty funny. Or, or maybe you got a teenage daughter, and you um, and your teenage daughter invites her friends over to spend the night, and so they're all they're all here, and they're all excited, and they're looking forward to it. And you walk in, and there they are on the sofa, all four of them, and they're on their phones. The room's quiet, and they're all on their phones texting to somebody somewhere. And they're alone together. <laughs> you know, parents, maybe you've experienced it a little bit yourself, moms, dads, where, you know, your little one is pulling on your pat leg and begging for some attention. Dad, dad, mom, mom. And you're real busy right now searching, you know, on Pinterest for mermaid swim classes or something. And, and they're begging for you to be engaged, to look them in the eye. You know, think about how incredibly rude it would be if you and I were having a conversation, we're getting engaged, and you're pouring your heart out to me, and partway through it, I pull out my Kindle, I flip it on, go to page 47 where I left off, I read two pages, and I, and I look up and say, oh, no, no, keep going. And then after a while, um, you know, you're talking to me, and, and uh, I'm listening to you, and then I reach in and I pull out my to-do list. Let's see, pick up some eggs, call the plumber, get the oil changed on the truck, and um, and I'll keep going. Keep going, I look at you. You know, you're going to kind of, you know, you've you got to be wondering. And then, and then, you know, you pick back up and after about 10 minutes, I see somebody walk into the coffee shop that I haven't seen for a while. So I get up and I walk away. Hey, really good to see you, man. I didn't see you in church last Sunday. How are you? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. We go through all that, right? <laughs> And I come back over to you, no, no, go ahead, keep going. You know, you're thinking, you know, you're, you're just stupid. <laughs> and when we're face-to-face with somebody that matters to us, and the whole time we're on our cell or we're, you know, doing something else, be engaged. Be engaged. And here's the problem. You know, whenever this thing buzzes or whistles or chirps or vibrates or whatever it does, something in us says, who was that? What's going on? What did I miss? I don't want to miss it. What what happened? There's a new word in the dictionary. You can look it up. FOMO. FOMO. F-O-M-O is how it's spelled. Fear of missing out. That's no joke. It's now considered a, um, an observable social anxiety, fear of missing out. And I think I know maybe why there's some uncomfortable laughing in the room. And what am I going to miss? What did she say? What did he do? What's, what's going on? I might miss somebody's funny cat picture if I don't check it out. <laughs> or somebody's saying to you, oh, your hair looks so gorgeous today. It doesn't mean fat, it means gorgeous, Okay. <laughs> It, it's, and and, and at the, here's the deal. At the end of your life, nobody is going to give a rip about how many likes you got. <laughs> it's going to be about how much you showed love, how much you loved one another. They're going to know that you are followers of Jesus by the way that you love one another. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. 
I got it. I'm studying. And my computer goes ding. And a little window comes up in the corner. And it's the top line of the latest email to hit me, which 99.9% is somebody who wants to sell me something. But I don't want to miss it just in case. Fear of missing out. And so what if I missed one, you know? What if I miss something that somebody says, but the thing is that I don't want to miss out on what really, really matters the most. I don't know how this applies to you. Maybe it's time for some rules. I don't know. Um, maybe you need to put the phone down at 10 o'clock at night. Maybe it needs to go in the cradle during dinner time and nobody picks up or answers their phone during dinner. Listen, if you find yourself late at night laying in bed with your spouse and you're both on your phones... And you're tempted to text your wife, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you risk the response, headache. <laughs> I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think if I was to ask people in this room, how many of you have ever texted to somebody sitting in the same room with you? Most hands or many hands would go up. So I... Okay, 1 John 3.18 says this. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Don't just pray for them. Pray with them. Don't just like what they post. Actually, like them. Get involved in their lives. That was the the greatest weapon that the early followers had in in the early church following Jesus. They, They were so persecuted, but they loved each other so much. It was a radical love. It was a very unifying love that they had. If somebody had a need, you know, they would sell their possessions and meet those needs. I mean, that's true too, but that was just a sign of the fellowship, the the presence that they had for each other. Scripture says that they were so generous, so loving with, with each other, that the skeptical world around them was looking in and they would say, I, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I'm not sure about that this resurrection. I've heard the stories. I don't know about that either. But what these people have, I want it. They love each other. I want some of that. And Jesus says that they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. They'll not know your disciples by how many followers you have or how many likes you get or how fast you respond to email. They'll know and they'll sense your love when you get involved in their lives when you care about what's happening in their lives. When you open your, your heart to actually do life with them. And then they'll see something that they really want. And when you ask them, hey, what's with you? Where does all this peace come? You can, you, you'll have a natural, truthful answer. You know, I have this growing relationship with Christ, with God, who, who forgave me and I found freedom and life and I'm learning to be his friend and it's so wonderful and you can tell them about Jesus. So, my encouragement to you is that you don't, that you actually refuse to be a slave to the screen and be a lover of people. Don't let, don't let technology replace intimacy in your life. Instead, seek after the power of the face-to-face relationship. Let's pray. Lord, um, I think that we can 
really slip into losing intimacy little bits at a time and not even realize that it's happening. So Lord, thank you for the reminder today that you want people to know we're your disciples and you've told us the way that they will know it is not because of religious activities, not even because of some really good things we can do, but because of love. Lord, help us, help this church family to be a group of people who love one another and love the people around them at work and at school and uh, in the marketplace. Lord, help us as a family. I, as pastor of this place, I pray, Lord, help us to make this church family be a, a place where anyone can embrace you, Lord. No barriers that anyone can find hope in Christ. Lord, I pray for you to um, have free reign in our hearts as you speak things to us, as you shape us, maybe as you nudge us a little bit different in our trajectory, Lord, as you shape our character a little bit. And God, I want to pray right now for, I'm concerned that this topic has stirred maybe in the hearts of some here who find themselves lonely. And I I know scriptures say if you want to if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. I understand that, Lord, and that's true. But for some people, we just lack the strength, God, to, uh, to, step, to step out. So, Lord, I pray that as your spirit speaks, you will signal to us how to love people in our midst, in our very midst, who are lonely and we don't even see it. And, Lord, for people who are lonely and need relationship with you and have never done that, God, I, I pray that your spirit would draw them into salvation. Your spirit would draw them to a place, God, where their forever gets dealt with, where after we die from this earth, our forever is sealed in a place, Lord, with you, heaven. Your word says that there is no other way to the Father but by you. And if there are people that are thinking that they can get their other ways, Lord, speak to them now and say, no, it's by my son. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord while the church is praying, I encourage you to make a decision right now because it could affect your eternity. The word says that when Jesus comes, he will come in a twinkling of an eye. At that moment, it's too late. And we don't know when that will be. It could be today. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord before, while the church is praying and eyes are closed, I encourage you, okay, get this right right now. Why wait? If you've never opened your heart and you want to do that, and you want to do it right now, just look up and meet eyes with me or wave your hand at me so I can pray with you. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Lord, fill our hearts, Lord, with sensitivity to your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.